0: Section 5 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave. Written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave. Written by himself chapter five my safe arrival at kentucky surprise and delight to find my family plan for their escape projected return to cincinnati my betrayal by traitors imprisonment in covington kentucky return to slavery infamous proposal of the slave catchers MY REPLY. I succeeded very well in selling out my goods, and when I arrived in Cincinnati I called on some of my friends who had aided me on my first escape. They also opposed me in going back only for my own good, but it has ever been characteristic of me to persevere in what I undertake. I took a steamboat passage which would bring me to where I should want to land about dark so as to give me a chance to find my family during the night if possible. The boat landed me at the proper place, and at the proper time accordingly. This landing was about six miles from Bedford, where my mother and wife lived, but with different families. My mother was the cook at a tavern in Bedford. When I approached the house where Mother was living, I remembered where she slept in the kitchen. Her bed was near the window." It was a bright moonlight night, and in looking through the kitchen window I saw a person lying in bed about where my mother had formerly slept. I rapped on the glass which awakened the person in whom I recognized my dear mother, but she knew me not, as I was dressed in disguise with my false whiskers on. But she came to the window and asked who I was and what I wanted. But when I took off my false whiskers and spoke to her, she knew my voice and quickly sprang to the door, clasping my hand, exclaiming, "'Oh, is this my son?' drawing me into the room, where I was so fortunate as to find Melinda and little Francis, my wife and child, whom I had left to find the fair climes of liberty, and whom I was then seeking to rescue from perpetual slavery. They never expected to see me again in this life. I am entirely unable to describe what my feelings were at that time, It was almost like the return of the prodigal son. There was weeping and rejoicing. They were filled with surprise and fear, with sadness and joy. The sensation of joy at that moment flashed like lightning over my afflicted mind, mingled with a thousand dreadful apprehensions that none but a heart-wounded slave-father and husband, like myself, can possibly imagine. After talking the matter over, we decided it was not best to start with my family that night, as it was very uncertain whether we should get a boat-passage immediately. And, in case of failure, if Melinda should get back even before daylight the next morning, it would have excited suspicion against her, as it was not customary for slaves to leave home at that stage of the week without permission. Hence we thought it would be the most effectual way for her to escape, to start on Saturday night this being a night on which the slaves of kentucky are permitted to visit around among their friends and are often allowed to stay until the afternoon on sabbath day i gave melinda money to pay her passage on board of a steamboat to cincinnati as it was not safe for me to wait for her until saturday night but she was to meet me in cincinnati if possible the next sunday her father was to go with her to the ohio river on saturday night and if a boat passed up during the night she was to get on board at Madison, and come to Cincinnati. If she should fail in getting off that night, she was to try it the next Saturday night. This was the understanding when we separated. This, we thought, was the best plan for her escape, as there had been so much excitement caused by my running away. The owners of my wife were very much afraid that she would follow me, and to prevent her, they had told her and other slaves that i had been persuaded off by the abolitionists who had promised to set me free but had sold me off to new orleans they told the slaves to beware of the abolitionists that their object was to decoy off slaves and then sell them off in new orleans some of them believed this and others believed it not and the owners of my wife were more watchful over her than they had ever been before as she was unbelieving this was in the month of june eighteen thirty eight i left melinda on a bright but lonesome wednesday night when i arrived at the river ohio i found a small craft chained to a tree in which i ferried myself across the stream i succeeded in getting a steamboat passage back to cincinnati where i put up with one of my abolition friends who knew that i had gone after my family and who appeared to be much surprised to see me again i was soon visited by several friends who knew of my having gone back after my family they wished to know why i had not brought my family with me but after they understood the plan and that my family was expected to be in cincinnati within a few days they thought it the best and safest plan for us to take a stage passage out to lake erie but being short of money i was not able to pay my passage in the stage even if it would have prevented me from being caught by the slave hunters of cincinnati or save me from being taken back into bondage for life these friends proposed helping me by subscription I accepted their kind offer but in going among friends to solicit aid for me they happened to get among traders and kidnappers both white and colored men who made their living by that kind of business several persons called on me and made me small donations and among them two white men came in professing to be my friends they told me not to be afraid of them. They were abolitionists. They asked me a great many questions. They wanted to know if I needed any help. And they wanted to know if it could be possible that a man so near white as myself could be a slave. Could it be possible that men would make slaves of their own children? They expressed great sympathy for me and gave me fifty cents each. By this they gained my confidence. They asked my master's name where he lived etc after which they left the room bidding me godspeed these traders or land pirates took passage on board of the first steamboat down the river in search of my owners when they found them they got a reward of three hundred dollars offered for the recapture of this stray which they had so long and faithfully been hunting by day and by night by land and by water with dogs and with guns but all without success this being the last and only chance for dragging me back into hopeless bondage time and money was no object when they saw a prospect of my being retaken mr gatewood got two of his slave-holding neighbors to go with him to cincinnati for the purpose of swearing to anything which might be necessary to change me back into property They came on to Cincinnati, and with but little effort they soon rallied a mob of ruffians who were willing to become the watchdogs of slaveholders, for a dram, in connection with a few slave-hunting petty constables. While I was waiting the arrival of my family, I got a job of digging a cellar for the good lady where I was stopping, and while I was digging under the house, all at once I heard a man enter the house. Another stepped up to the cellar door to where I was at work. He looked in and saw me with my coat off at work. He then rapped over the cellar door on the house side, to notify the one who had entered the house to look for me that I was in the cellar. This strange conduct soon excited suspicion so strong in me that I could not stay in the cellar and started to come out. But the man who stood by the door rapped again on the house side, for the other to come to his aid, and told me to stop. I attempted to pass out by him, and he caught hold of me, and drew a pistol, swearing if I did not stop he would shoot me down. By this time I knew that I was betrayed. I asked him what crime I had committed, that I should be murdered. "'I will let you know very soon,' said he. By this time there were others coming to his aid, and I could see no way by which I could possibly escape the jaws of that hell upon earth.' All my flattering prospects of enjoying my own fireside with my little family were then blasted and gone, and I must bid farewell to friends and freedom forever. In vain did I look to the infamous laws of the Commonwealth of Ohio for that protection against violence and outrage that even the vilest criminal with a white skin might enjoy. But, oh, the dreadful thought, that after all my sacrifice and struggling to rescue my family from the hands of the oppressor, that I should be dragged back into cruel bondage to suffer the penalty of a tyrant's law, to endure stripes and imprisonment, and to be shut out from all moral as well as intellectual improvement, and linger out almost a living death. When I saw a crowd of bloodthirsty, unprincipled slave-hunters rushing upon me armed with weapons of death, it was no use for me to undertake to fight my way through against such fearful odds. But I broke away from the man who stood by with his pistol drawn to shoot me if I should resist, and reached the fence and attempted to jump over it before I was overtaken. But the fence being very high, I was caught by my legs before I got over. I kicked and struggled with all my might to get away, but without success. I kicked a new cloth coat off of his back, while he was holding on to my leg. I kicked another in his eye, but they never let me go until they got more help. "'By this time there was a crowd on the outside of the fence "'with clubs to beat me back. "'Finally they succeeded in dragging me from the fence "'and overpowered me by numbers and choked me almost to death. "'These ruffians dragged me through the streets of Cincinnati "'to what was called a justice office, "'but it was more like an office of injustice. "'When I entered the room I was introduced to three slaveholders, "'one of whom was a son of William Gatewood, "'who claimed me as his property.' they pretended to be very glad to see me they asked me if i did not want to see my wife and child but i made no reply to anything that was said until i was delivered up as a slave after they were asked a few questions by the court the old pro-slavery squire very gravely pronounced me to be the property of mr gatewood the office being crowded with spectators many of whom were colored persons Mr. G. was afraid to keep me in Cincinnati two or three hours even, until a steamboat got ready to leave for the South. So they took me across the river, and locked me up in Covington Jail for safekeeping. This was the first time in my life that I had been put into a jail. It was truly distressing to my feelings to be locked up in a cold dungeon for no crime. The jailer not being at home, his wife had to act in his place. After my owners had gone back to Cincinnati, the jailer's wife, in company with another female, came into the jail and talked with me very friendly. I told them all about my situation, and these ladies said they hoped that I might get away again, and went so far as to tell me if I should be kept in the jail that night. There was a hole under the wall of the jail where a prisoner had got out. It was only filled up with loose dirt, they said, and I might scratch it out and clear myself." this i thought was a kind word from an unexpected friend i had power to have taken the key from those ladies in spite of them and have cleared myself but knowing that they would have to suffer perhaps for letting me get away i thought i would wait until after dark at which time i should try to make my escape if they should not take me out before that time but within two or three hours they came after me and conducted me on board of a boat on which we all took passage down to louisville I was not confined in any way, but was well guarded by five men, three of whom were slaveholders, and the two young men from Cincinnati who had betrayed me. After the boat had got fairly under way, with these vile men standing around me on the upper deck of the boat, and she under full speed carrying me back into a land of torment, I could see no possible way of escape. Yet while I was permitted to gaze on the beauties of nature, on free soil, as I passed down the river things looked to me uncommonly pleasant. The green trees and wild flowers of the forest, the ripening harvest-fields waving with the gentle breezes of heaven, and the honest farmers tilling their soil and living by their own toil. These things seemed to light upon my vision with a peculiar charm. I was conscious of what must be my fate, a wretched victim for slavery without limit, to be sold like an ox into hopeless bondage and to be worked under the flesh-devouring lash during life without wages this was to me an awful thought every time the boat run near the shore i was tempted to leap from the deck down into the water with a hope of making my escape such was then my feeling but on a moment's reflection reason with her warning voice overcame this passion by pointing out the dreadful consequences of one's committing suicide and this i thought would have a very striking resemblance to the act and i declined putting into practice this dangerous experiment though the temptation was great these kidnapping gentlemen seeing that i was much dissatisfied commenced talking to me by saying that i must not be cast down they were going to take me back home to live with my family "'if I would promise not to run away again. "'To this I agreed, and told them that this was all that I could ask, "'and more than I had expected. "'But they were not satisfied with having recaptured me, "'because they had lost other slaves, "'and supposed that I knew their whereabouts, and truly I did. "'They wanted me to tell them, "'but before telling I wanted them to tell who it was "'that had betrayed me into their hands.' They said that I was betrayed by two colored men in Cincinnati, whose names they were backward in telling, because their business in connection with themselves was to betray and catch fugitive slaves, for the reward offered. They undertook to justify the act by saying if they had not betrayed me, that somebody else would, and if I would tell them where they could catch a number of other runaway slaves, they would pay for me and set me free, and would then take me in as one of the club they said i would soon make money enough to buy my wife and child out of slavery but i replied no gentlemen i cannot commit or do an act of that kind even if it were in my power so to do i know that i am now in the power of a master who can sell me from my family for life or punish me for the crime of running away just as he pleases i know that i am a prisoner for life and have no way of extricating myself and i also know that i have been deceived and betrayed by men who profess to be my best friends but can all this justify me in becoming a traitor to others can i do that which i complain of others for doing unto me never i trust while a single pulsation of my heart continues to beat can i consent to betray a fellow man like myself back into bondage who has escaped dear as i love my wife and little child and as much as I should like to enjoy freedom and happiness with them, I am unwilling to bring this about by betraying and destroying the liberty and happiness of others who have never offended me. I then asked them again if they would do me the kindness to tell me who it was betrayed me into their hands at Cincinnati. They agreed to tell me, with the understanding that I was to tell where there was living, a family of slaves at the North, who had run away from Mr. King of Kentucky. I should not have agreed to this, But I knew the slaves were in Canada, where it was not possible for them to be captured. After they had told me the names of the persons who betrayed me, and how it was done, then I told them their slaves were in Canada doing well. The two white men were constables, who claimed the right of taking up any strange colored person as a slave, while the two colored kidnappers, under the pretext of being abolitionists, would find out all the fugitives they could— and informed these constables for which they got a part of the reward, after they had found out where the slaves were from, the name of his master, etc. By the agency of these colored men they were seized by a band of white ruffians, locked up in jail, and their master sent for. These colored kidnappers, with the constables, were getting rich by betraying fugitive slaves. This was told to me by one of the constables, while they were all standing around trying to induce me to engage in the same business for the sake of regaining my own liberty and that of my wife and child. But my answer even there, under the most trying circumstances, surrounded by the strongest enemies of God and man, was most emphatically in the negative. "'Let my punishment be what it may, either with the lash or by selling me away from my friends and home.' let my destiny be what you please. I can never engage in this business for the sake of getting free. They said I should not be sold nor punished with the lash for what I had done, but I should be carried back to Bedford to live with my wife. Yet, when the boat got to where we should have landed, she wafted by without making any stop. I felt awful in view of never seeing my family again. They asked what was the matter, what made me look so cast down i informed them that i knew i was to be sold in the louisville slave market or in new orleans and i never expected to see my family again but they tried to pacify me by promising not to sell me to a slave trader who would take me off to new orleans cautioning me at the same time not to let it be known that i had been a runaway this would very much lessen the value of me in market they would not punish me by putting irons on my limbs but would give me a good name, and sell me to some gentleman in Louisville for a house-servant. They thought I would soon make money enough to buy myself, and would not part with me if they could get along without. But I had cost them so much in advertising and looking for me, that they were involved by it. In the first place, they paid eight hundred and fifty dollars for me, and when I first run away, they paid one hundred for advertising and looking after me and now they had to pay about forty dollars expenses traveling to and from cincinnati in addition to the three hundred dollars reward and they were not able to pay the reward without selling me i knew then the only alternative left for me to extricate myself was to use deception which is the most effectual defense a slave can use i pretended to be satisfied for the purpose of getting an opportunity of giving them the slip but oh the distress of mind the lamentable thought that I should never again see the face nor hear the gentle voice of my nearest and dearest friends in this life. I could imagine what must be my fate from my peculiar situation, to be sold to the highest bidder, and then wear the chains of slavery down to the grave. The day-star of liberty which had once cheered and gladdened my heart in freedom's land, had then hidden itself from my vision and the dark and dismal frown of slavery had obscured the sunshine of freedom from me, as they supposed for all time to come. But the understanding between us was, I was not to be tied, chained, nor flogged, for if they should take me into the city handcuffed and guarded by five men, the question might be asked, what crime I had committed, and if it should be known that I had been a runaway to Canada, it would lessen the value of me at least one hundred dollars. End of chapter 5 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista